So I come in the 80s and David Lozada takes me. I went to the funhouse. David Lozada takes me to the garage. And that was my introduction into the okay. garage. Right, right after D-Train's, uh, you're the one for me. And I was a big D-Train fan, which later on became friends with him. Everybody knows I worked with him too. But at that time, I had new my high school Erasmus. <laughs> yep. That's right. And That's with Barbara Streisand. <laughs> also went to that school. But anyway, uh, Nick, uh, D-Train becomes the voice of our generation in a sense. The, the, the voice of what you would call the garage because those records are a staple to everyone. Uh, you Can't Hide, Larry Joseph. All those records oh. were massive hits. Hits in the garage. So, so for example, like you stepped into a club that played that sound. Okay, you felt like you were part of something, a, a part of a special group. And I always talk about this, especially when you're becoming like I was. It's like going to school. Mikey said it right. Larry could do no wrong. No matter what he did, it was right because it's his house. So but imagine if you tried to do that and you try to play that same role with, a, with an owner, your ass would have been fired for most of the stuff he'd done. Okay, but mm -hmm. when your father is like Michael Brody, like is taking care of you and you're making the kind of money you would make for a club, they overlook a lot. They overlook a lot of the shit. Sure. They, you That's overlook. Crazy. You yeah. overlook a lot. And a lot of those days, because there was no cameras in the room, you can get away with that stuff. Now you can't get away. Everybody's got a gosh damn camera now. So you imagine a person <laughs> like him falling on top of the turntable or you know or passing out it's happened yeah. i remember seeing people sitting down on the dance floor i never saw that in my life they didn't even go home they just sat down playing cards i was like wow you know this is you know you talk about so many things you visioned and you seen and then you hear records like living on the front line eddie grant mm. <laughs> mind you all my friends ready OZ rocks the house. They're going to hear Jelly Bean. They're into Arthur Baker. They're telling me, how could you go to that club? I don't want to say the innuendos they said to me, which was really Yeah, bad. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we know. I, I, right. You know what I'm saying? But I would say, you don't think... Here's what I would say. You haven't lived. Hear that? You haven't lived till you went to the garage. Or we used to say yeah. gay rage. Yep. Those yep. that know, I would say... How could you be? How could you be in a gay club and says, "Yo, they're most of my friends," and that was that was it. I was like Kenny and them. I was trained by the best. I really was. It was like me going to school there. You know, yeah. you learn this. I, I never thought in my life I would ever do what I did if I didn't experience at least one moment. You just gotta take a flash of it. You just go like that, a flash of it, and then your life changes. Instantly. Yep. Yes, it does. Mikey it said, with shorts and all, I went in there with a cut T-shirt, white, white decks on. I'll never forget, white T-shirt cut. My stomach showing. Oh my god! The midriffs. The midriffs. That's right. And you like throwing bait in the floor. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh come, little kitty, 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 come, kitty, kitty, come, 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 come. Oh, I heard that. Like, oh how cute. <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> no, you did. 
audience, audience, when he was younger, he was cute too. Look out! <laughs> you damn right. I got pictures from those days. I was very cute. So, 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 Lenny, but that's Lenny, okay. I ask about that first anniversary recording because it is priceless. You know, it, it really is, and and I, I think it's great that you've kept it and digitized it. Um, because listening to, you know, Dan Hartman and the lovely Lolita Holloway do that mm. duet, Relight My Fire, mm. um, that stuff just brings chills every time I hear it. I was there that night and, you wow. know, it's just one of those, one of those memories that, that forever stays with you and you forever go wow. back to that place every time i hear that that recording of thank yours thank god i did it thank I god go i go back there immediately and it's amazing <laughs> I, I i can't speak for oscar cuz you used to work there and you probably needed to keep your head on but i i don't know about you archie but every time i went to the garage i was in one altered state or another so so it's amazing that you could remember some of the details that you do remember. But you know what? Those details are so fresh in the mind because they were so impactful. Um, Look at Look at that. You know, certain things that Larry did at certain moments, you just remember it because you, 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 you captured the essence of, of what was happening and you put it in a bottle and you say, I'll go back and drink from that bottle anytime I feel like it because mm. I know how it made me feel yeah. and I know I want to go back there <laughs> again and again and again. You you don't overdo it, but you it, know there, there's it, just something about what we experience. Again and again, again and again. Uh, so now wait, 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 hang on now. So you're walking down the street, okay, and it's dark. Four o'clock in the morning, you're walking down, and you have no idea what you're walking into. And I tell this to everybody. Right. You have no idea what's behind that wall. Right? None. Right. And it's you hear boom 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 boom. Yep. Boom boom boom. That's all you hear. Because you know the fan, the fan exhaust is into the street, it would open close. So you would hear it, right? You hear boom, 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 right. And then all of a sudden you get up and around like like Oscar. Oh. Yeah. And then you walk into this, and the crowd is on fire. The yep. place oh, is like my you talk about relight my fire. Let's talk about a record he would he would rock. Let's say the like Martin uh, Circus Disco Circus came out. Yep. Woo! That like song, <laughs> what that did to that floor, yep. I will never forget. I will never yep. forget that for as long as I live. Sylvester too. Sylvester over and over, man. Over and over. I, 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 you know, I, I mean, beside myself, I'm sure a lot of people get locked down emotionally on that Sylvester over and over. Early in the morning. Early in the morning, man. Early yeah, in the morning. early in the morning. That's right. That's right. Another classic, Ain't No Mountain High in a life. Holy yeah. Brown. Yeah. I mean, that'll give me chills every time. To me, that yeah. is such a classic cover and, then, and the production on that song is unreal unreal because it takes you through so many changes in just 13 minutes and and to me True. that song the last 
five, six minutes of that song is just one extended orgasm because (laughs) there's this transition there around the six, six and a half minute where it kind of, you know, it builds you up. Then it kind of, you know, loosens you up for like 30 seconds and then it's bam for the next five, six minutes. One long extended orgasm. And you just, you, your mind is just blown after that. Wow. That's, that's one of those songs where after it finishes, Larry used to sometimes not play anything for the next 30 seconds, 60 seconds, just because it was wow. so intense. And then after that, you jump off into something else. But there, there are so, so many experiences that um, that the song he played before or after the show be weekend. He would work that room to get excited. Either he came yep. off the show and he would yep. he would rip weekend out, and the room would yep. go absolutely fire, fire. As soon as you heard that, you knew either the show was coming or yep. he was coming off the show, and it was like, whoa, whoa. So I got to ask all of you, how many times have you cried on that dance floor? <laughs> I tell you. Do you remember day. that moment? I mean, there's so, so, oh, man. Um, like you said in the seventies when the moon was going down and 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 mainly the males we lost a lot of males during that movement of when this AIDS thing hit and 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 to me it says not because of that but um uh it was a big shakedown man that just I guess in the New York area of that club scene and again that Sylvester man um over and over uh the message that they had in it also. You know, but I, I, I mean, after it, we would embrace the person that you're dancing close to or embrace each other in a group, man. Just let things out, man. Just let it out, man. You know? Wow. Because there was a big number that in that time that they was just dropping, man. And, and, and a lot sure. of them were gone, bro. A lot well, of my you head- know, It's funny you say that because Francois told us about the time when that guy came from GMHC and he, you know, he grabbed the microphone and they just, I guess it was pre the show or after the show. And he's explaining to everybody about, you know, the HIV crisis. And he said, nobody would want to hear it. Nobody could care less. They would went, get them up and want to dance. You know how the crowd, oh, wow. they were not having it. And the gay cancer, wow. as they called it, you know, because they didn't really know what it was or the grid. But some that remembers what they called it, the grid, HIV, they really didn't know back then exactly what this was but this man was saying you need to protect yourselves you need to take care of yourselves you know don't be doing the drugs bring your immune system down he came to garage and nobody was having it it was a very yeah, dark moment that was a mistake on his part you know because you know they're there to party they're not there to hear well, reality, you know, but you know? the you, the escape. you got it no but the thing is even though you're escaping they wanted you to be careful. Sure. A lot going on. <laughs> Everybody's trying to escape. Yeah, well, That's the problem. Yeah. We're going to escape planet Earth, too. We're all escaping. You know, everybody's escaping somewhere. Hmm. Look, Kenny Carpenter said it right. The first entertainer was Keith Barrow. Yep. The disco artist. He was the first to die of HIV AIDS. 
And that's when things started to get super serious. People were saying, oh. what the hell's going on? Kind of like oh. COVID, when COVID started. Like, we were talking about it January, February, and then March with the lockdown. It was like, boom, people were dying. The numbers were going on. We're like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I remember when word came out about Keith passing from AIDS, and that oh. really hit a lot of us hard. I mean, right? You know, because because it was it was not long after he had performed at the garage. Yeah, yeah. Was it turn me up right or yep. like that record? Yeah, yep. turn me oh, up. Oh wow! And, and and actually, guys, as a dancer, what I started to do, I was working in the board of bed at the time, and I um, got connected because Javis Convention Center, the gay men's health crisis, started doing um, dance marathon at the Javis Convention mm -hmm. Center. So I would I would do my tag up, get some money for my you know, ex um, workmates at the time when I was working there. And it's like, what are you doing? I said, yo, man, I've been hanging out there since I was like, you know, my early late teens there, bro. So this is like, this is part of, this is always going to be part of me, you know, no matter where I'm at in this planet of the world. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and try to figure out how I contribute. And then this is, that's what you're doing. Yeah. I'm, I'm raising money for them because, you know, it helps whatever needs that's going on because they didn't have the program set up. Or any kind of medicines at this, this time. Brings us, this brings us to that moment where I want to show this picture, okay? As of with the sands of time. The last two weekends, I remember that about the, up until the year of the garage closing, there was discussions and people talking about the myth that the club was not going to reopen and they were saying it wasn't happening. And then all of a sudden, you have the last two weekends announced in September. It was like instantaneous. We were going... Because Better Days was already hot. Bruce Forrest was killing it. Other clubs mm. were pulling a lot of garages crowd at that point. And let's be real. And people are going to hate me. But towards the end of the garage, Larry was a little bit from all the drugs and everything, a little funny with the playing. Everybody knew. Everybody knew. I don't, because everybody's going to curse me out. He wasn't no, like that. It's, it's the truth. Everybody knew. The answer said it. Larry's tired. I never said, it's not me. The dancers were saying, Larry's tired. He's playing crappy. He's not working us. That's what they said, okay? Everybody knew. Well, Bruce Forrest was killing it over at Better Days, okay? So the crowd, a lot of the garage crowd was at Better Days at that point. Then all of a sudden, that summer of 87, word gets out, garage is closing. Everybody comes back to the garage. You know, I performed at that closing party. That's right. Archie's in the closing festivities. Mm -hmm. My group, Read Emotion, we performed an original song. Um, I wrote that. But the interesting thing is the person who did the music to that was Strafe. The I'm guy that did Set It Off. Hmm. He did the music for that. And we didn't have a record deal in those days, you know, because back we did what we call like the Chitlin circuit, you know. Back, there were so many clubs that you could perform, you know, you would just test it out in all the clubs. You know, we performed at the garage twice. And when they say to um, you, you're going to perform at the garage, you're like, oh, wow, right? Well, it was weird because we were like, oh, okay. Oh, it, 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 was, it didn't even seem real because it, it almost felt like you were partying, but at the same time, you had a responsibility to, you know, to do your thing. You know, it, 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 I must admit it, it was a little nerve wracking, Sure. you know, but mm -hmm. as soon as you see that crowd out there, you had to go in 110%. You had to, we <laughs> won that, the same Gwen Guthrie, 
was on there. Gwen Guthrie was before us. Um, Man, this is I think Liz Torres was on that show. Was she on that show? Wait, yes, no. and Jay. Yeah. yeah. Mm, you know, yeah, and and Liz Torres, Touch, Gwen Guthrie, Arnold Jarvis, two Puerto Ricans, a black man, Dominican. David, David Morales and 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 um and um David Cole and Rob Clavellas. Yep. That's right. Oh, ESG. Oh my goodness. Rudy. Uh, thank God somebody recorded that night. Thank yeah. God somebody recorded that. Well, night. that was Michael Sampson that did that. Michael For Sampson. Real? Yeah, he recorded it's his videotape. That Maestro mm. film. That would not have happened if Michael Sampson didn't give up his tapes. Wow. Heard that from Michael's mouth at Kenny Carpenter's house in 1990, when he, 91, he told me. <laughs> he recorded that in the ending of the garage. I met Michael through Kenny. He was very close. Archie, Archie yeah. what was it like being on stage? I mean... Uh... Yeah, as a performer. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Well, you know what's interesting? As a performer... It was kind of weird because when those lights hit you, you really don't see the crowd. Okay. You know they're there. Mm-hmm. But it's when they start barking and screaming and stuff <laughs> like that. It's this weird, it's this weird feeling. Because oh, I think oh. exactly. Because I think they knew, obviously, because we we were club heads. The club knew us, right. you know. Right. You I mean, were part they of the crew, for that, God's sake. You were you were the right. establishment. You were in the crowd. You were part you of know, the crowd. It, it was deep. It, I, I got to say, Mikey, it's a, it's the strangest feeling. It's like you're performing for a bunch of friends you can't see. Yeah. But the moment they scream, it kind of shocks you back to reality. And you're like, okay. Oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. And it builds this adrenaline. And then you're going even harder. You're going even crazier on stage. And next minute when it's over, believe it, it feels like that. The moment you start to end, it feels like, like oh, we're done. Wow. You know, and then when you go off stage, it doesn't really settle in because mm-hmm. now you just want to party like yeah. everybody else. Yeah, you just you know? pumped up. <laughs> you know, and it's, it, it, no, Mike, it's it's the best. I'm I'm so glad I was blessed to do that. Good for you. Twice. Oh my God. Yeah, hats off for that. Yeah, God. yeah, yeah that, we, we applause uh, for that. One of our own crossed over and became superstardom at the garage. <laughs> as deep man I, you know i never obviously i never thought that and none of us ever thought that because you know for us it was it was being like mikey said being part of that no i think you said it lenny being part of a an elite we felt i felt it was an elite group of people that shared same likeness in mind in heart and we all met at this particular place to kind of like celebrate that religiously every week oh yeah let me tell you i got heat for it my mom oh man she would be like you're listening to that bongo go to your god go to your god <laughs> what the hell are you doing there listening to the devil music go to your god and i was like wow because for me i found a home i i, yeah. I found a home you know the loft in the garage i'm like a loft baby the garage, the day, the night, the garage, and and Mikey, you said this. The garage, I think, had a fire, or something happened that night, and everybody from the garage showed up at the loft. I remember that clearly. Something happened, 
it was one weekend. I don't know if a fire marshal or something. Because oh, yeah, back right. in those days, also people used to do weird stuff, like call the fire marshal on you. Mm-hmm. You know, we're back still doing it. Can't. that, Archie. There was a couple of times, you know, besides the firemen and you know policemen coming in. Michael used to take them back to his office, give them the envelope. I'll be, I'll be the first oh. one. That that happened a couple of times. You had to. Oh, yeah. Don't forget, Gambino's ran New York City. I worked at Underground. I tell that story every time. They came pick up envelopes from from Wait, on 16th and Broadway. Yeah, I lived for the Underground. But yeah, that I worked there. I remember when they came. I remember they used to come. They came in and took came and get envelopes. Yep. Yep. And how it worked is you didn't get your sanitation picked up. Then you had the cops. Bought. You think to me, you tell me. And, oh, wow. and T. Scott said so well, how the hell do you have a building that Ma Bell owns and nobody F's around with you? And That's you, right. How yeah, the hell right. is that possible? Michael yeah. Brody had the right connections. Yeah. yeah. You did. Yeah. White envelope to you and another envelope to you and another envelope to you. And everybody went away. I mean, that was making ching ching every weekend. Yeah. Even on the slowest night, making ching ching. Dude, you got to realize he had over 5,000 people through the weekend through that room. That's a big part of New York City. Think about that. On a big night, they would have three, probably 3,500 people through there. Well, I'm going to count you on it now, uh, Lenny. On that, when Mickey was talking about the 79th party. Yeah, please, on the anniversary. When Olita Holloway comes down, right? And um, mm-hmm. I had to close the coat room. That animal. <laughs> oh, wow. And the number of the tickets, because we have proper tickets. How much? Over 3,000. That's what I'm saying. Oh. Yeah. At that point, you know, Mike is asking me what's going on. I said, there's no more space. <laughs> you got to bring this stuff in with them to the dance floor. But now going back to the COVID situation, going back to the one room, there wasn't no fucking COVID. Yeah. You put your right. shit in the backpack, fold it up, right. in the backpack, yep. behind the speaker. Yep. There wasn't no COVID. That's yeah. right. That's right. You know, behind the speaker in some corner on the floor or something. Excuse me? Because I don't remember there being a mandatory. Wait, I don't remember it, there being a mandatory code check. Was there? Not no. necessarily. But no. the okay. and, and okay, no club so, had mandatory code checking. Once, once, okay, when the one room was going on, you went in with your. You actually had to put your stuff in a backpack. You put it in the backpack, and you know stuff didn't miss or nothing like that. People trusted right, each other, right? So you put it behind the speaker. Right after the function parties, yeah. You couldn't after a certain while because it, it made money. Also, Mike was like, "Listen, they can't go in," but there were still people that would bring their backpacks and stuff. They stuff there, you know, okay. in the back and put it behind the speakers. Now, what took place at that point? What I ended up starting to do was do a cleanup every now and then. Like I would have two runners go in, pick their stuff in, and then it would be missing. And then that was the thing of so, so, somewhat control check because we didn't have no rules. And I still have the photo of the two guys that did the scam on Mike. And what they ended up playing the scam and later on laughed at me when I came out the club, they ended up collecting money saying that the code had got this place or something like this. And when I got outside and they told me, yo, we got over on Mike and you. Upon that, that's when I made the, the, the rules. 
and the rules were wow. made little thing as you came in at nine o'clock in the morning. I always had either myself or the other guys, and you can hear it. When I'm right above your ears, you can hear me bending this aluminum thing. Clink, 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 clink. You would get the attention because after nine, we wasn't responsible for your coast no more. If you didn't come to the courtroom and get them. Oh, dude. You know, so I set up certain call guys, Monday. You know, excuse me. Call Monday. Yeah, you know, call Monday. That's what you can. You know, it's you over. Know, if you come over. back at your coat, call Monday. Hey, you know, call you the, ask her. Tell them. Say just like this. Call the office. <laughs> call the office. We're closed. You got it. Lady. You got it. I know what I'm saying. Call the office. You know, I mean, because, you know, I have my shit because I knew if I didn't have my shit, I ain't getting home. I got no way of getting home. I got no, no, no jack and nothing. Oh, hey, sometimes, sometimes stuff stayed there to the following weekend, man. I mean, I you know. know, you're in a different space when you leave, bro. You know, so sometimes you don't even go get your coat. You're gone. You know, but good night. <laughs> go get high down at Crystal and Crystal and uh, and uh, what's that park down there by West 4th? Over there, the park, but where they play basketball. And Washington, Washington Square Thank Park. Thank you. Go get high at Washington Square Park. Go ahead, go get high. Yeah, yeah, hey, man. The other, the other thing about the car. No man, I got some Superman for you, boy. <laughs> Come over here. No, you want to fly? I don't know. Yeah, you want to fly, man? Yo, man. Come here. Come here, boy. Come over here. <laughs> hey, Betty and everybody else in this group, you see how people change. Hear me. Because when you have to come to the courtroom, you, you know, and I tell people, I says, oh, all of a sudden, he wasn't, or she wasn't, or he wasn't, she, I mean, it's the same thing. You know, I, I, I'm i I'm in Gorton's, he, Gorton's hair salon when we got this, um, what was this, uh, what was that TV thing? Soul Alive. So we did Soul Alive, me and my partner. I was on and that go, show, too. Yeah. So I go oh, to yeah. Gorton's on 72nd Street. Excuse me? So yeah, who do I see in the hair salon? I see Paul Stewart working with the guy. So I'm like, yo, Paul, what's going on here? I mean, like, he said, no, 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 Oscar, you know, I'm, 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 and I'm like, okay, you know, so, you know, as the seesaw goes, some people go one way from the other way. And I was like, at the courtroom, you see people changing. First club that had co-ed bathrooms. Yeah. Yeah. Risky changes, baby. <laughs> first club I ever smelled. Excuse me. First club I ever smelled. Yo, I remember them smoking. If it, maybe it was vinyl. I remember smelling Ethan. They were free basing in there in the club. Mm. I remember Mel in that room. Ooh, that club was like a locker room. With oh drugs. my goodness! I said, who took their shoes off? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, well, they had, hey, but Lenny, they had the punch thing going on over there, too, buddy. They had the punch bowls going on over there, too. Wow. Yes, they did. They did have the punch bowl thing going on. And they would tell you, and it, it, Kenny, Kenny was the main guy running the, 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 the. Yeah, possession. but was it enough, tell people, was it enough to get high off of the, off the fruit, off the punch bowl? Oh, yes. I don't know about that one. I mean, <laughs> I know in, in the loft, yeah. If you went on a second cup to the third, yeah. You was gonna feel it by the second or the third. It wasn't like at the loft. At the loft, they—that's <laughs> another story. There, they would greet you even when you went and paid us sometimes, you know. But that's another story. Yeah, you know. But at the garage, 
Yo, okay, so here's the other thing for all of you, and I'm going to say this to everybody. In the loft, you see how we're all speaking right now in the loft? This, the music would be low enough that you can actually converse. Right. Yes. When you went to the garage and it was full power, like Mikey said, that moment where your hair in the back stands up and the system is in full glory. Which one do you like better? Do you like it where it's more of a family environment where a loft was more controlled, quieter, like like a womb? Or did you like the feeling of garage uh, when it, the like I call it the loft on steroids? Did you like it better like that? I can that? tell you right away. For me, I can tell you right away. For me, it's I've always been a loft baby. I go when I went to the garage. I went to the to the garage for, like the song says, a love injection. But I can't do that all the time because for me, it was just too much overload. For me, you know, you know, you make a good point, Archie. Um, whenever we took someone to the garage for the first time, we used to call it baptism by fire because that's what it felt like for them. And you could see it on their faces. Not everyone could handle it because it it's was true. so intense. If you can intense. deal with it, great. If not, it was overpowering. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really did. And, and mm -hmm. I was there as often as I could. I went to the loft because of what the loft offered from time to time. But mm -hmm. I was primarily a garage head, <laughs> a core mechanic. Um, so, 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 uh, woo. come on with I, it. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> He's got to think this through. He's politically correct. One thing for me was that I don't know how David Morales had mentioned, and I'm not going to try to mention the words that he mentioned, but when he made this comparison from the, 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 the off being like the high school type of thing, and then the garage becoming like more of the college or the university. But going into sound, I'm still going to always give my hats off to Mancuso. Oh, yeah. You know? and, no, no, and, we're not talking about DJing. We're talking about the feel, the feel of the place. The feel, then? The feel? I would say still early morning. The last few hours at the garage, I've never been nowhere in this whole goddamn planet so far. And I'm going to be 64. I'm 63 right now. I've never been no place like that on those last few hours at the garage. There's no feeling like it. There's no feeling. I mean, well, the I gotta say, the I'm going to say Timmy Richard. I'm going to say Timmy Richard. Even, even in the one room, even in the one room part, yeah. even in yeah. the one room part, you can see in the one room party, they had that roof, they had the roof glass topping in the middle of the floor there. And you can see when mm. they're like, yeah, my hands are standing up. Labby would take you somewhere else and with the energy from the others. So and I tell people, I says, yo, there's a there's a peak time, but then there's climax time. Like Mickey says, climax time. That climax time for me ain't nothing like when you was at the garage in the last few hours there, man. And, wow. you know, you, you, you just you, reminded me of Ashford and Simpson. Daylight's going to catch me up again. <laughs> hey, listen, man. I listen. I mean, you know, and you have you have because then you had this late crew 
Then it started happening at the garage where you had like this late crew. They won't get there till six in the morning, these people, man. They wouldn't come right. after five. And so let me, I think what he's saying too, like for all of us, is in different times. You look for these people there because at that at that climax time, yo, the, the vibe and energy that you put out. I, I spoke to my friend the other day and he was like, you know, you had the, like, the different sections. You know, this corner, these people from this corner, that corner. But the point was, at that time, there was enough space that you can, you can move around from corner to corner and, and socialize your body moving with the other people instead of when it's packed. So that climax closing hours, yo, yeah, I see what you mean. I like no other man to me. Yeah. So I would go to the garage. And since uh, I have to add one more thing, and for for me as a dancer, I I I always had an issue when things got too crowded that I couldn't get off. Sure, you know, I and I had to look for space to get off on. Yeah, you. The loft never seemed to be really so packed that you couldn't right. get to happen right. you know the garage was amazing yeah but i felt you had to look for spots in order for you to to, to do your thing you know that's because at the peak that's at the peak true. time that's yeah, the peak like, time. Yeah. When it was like that yeah. when the room was at that level packed yeah mm-hmm. and most like of the time that. it was like that i couldn't dance i couldn't four o'clock Five o'clock, it's you more like that. There, Five o'clock. That's what I'm talking about. At that time. At that time. That time. So you had pockets. See how you have pockets? Yeah, mm-hmm. And no lie, ever since those days, that's why I always danced by the emergency exits. Because they always had the most room. Yeah. Because everybody wanted to be in the middle of the floor. But the exits were where that's the place to be. And until that Happy Land fire situation, it oh, changed my behavior, Lord. you know? And as a dancer, it changed my behavior so badly that no matter where I went after that, I would always dance right in front of the emergency exit. Everybody was afraid after that. It's, 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 it's amazing you say that. This was like a rule of thumb from day one, man. Always find out from even from young. I mean, I don't know if I got it from the family members, but it was always a thing. Make sure you know when you go to the club before you're highly intoxicated, find out where the exits are at. You know, yeah, right. but you know, but wait, 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 wait. I've said this before, and I've this has been confirmed by other people that I know. Mm-hmm. Larry Levan was the Wizard of Oz. And what I mean by that is in his booth, he had a chaser from the light guy. So when he felt like handling the lights and having that moment to play light man with DJ, he would do that. There was one night oh, wow. he was trying to break a record. He was heartbeat. Could have been time to garden heartbeat. He played it 10 or 12 times and he's notorious for doing that. Killed us with that yeah. shit that day. <laughs> but this time by the seventh time, people were pissed off. They walk off the floor because they want to get, like Archie said, they want to get their life on that floor. They don't know the record and he's push it down their throat. He would kill the lights in the room and exit lights. So imagine you're in a packed oh, wow. dance floor. Imagine that. You're in a packed dance floor and he kills not only all the lights, but all the exit lights. The room is oh, pitch geez. black. You imagine that happening now? They would shut them oh, no. down. Oh, no. It could never no. happen. But in the things that he did back then, I've heard this from Kenny, from other people told me the same story. They said, 
He would do that. So now you're like, everyone's freaking the F out. Like, I want to get off the dance floor. And then he comes back and he plays the record and the lights come back out. And now he's like, go ahead, walk off this floor and watch what I do to you again. I will shut oh, the lights wow. off. Yes. That's control. That was the purpose? Wow. Oh, he get angry with you. Oh, yeah, he would get angry with all the people. He'd be like, oh, yeah, you ain't gonna dance? Watch. Boom. Kill everything again. Play another. All he'll do is play, Mikey would know, he played two or three big records. Make the crowd scream, get everybody to dance and play that record again. Now, this time, you think he's, and then they walk up the floor. There we go. Ain't I ain't having it, right? They would look at him and he go, right? So he played three more records again. Rock them. 10%, whatever it was. Crowd screaming. Ah! Boom, boom, da. Boom, boom, da. Heartbeat again. Mm. This time, oh. this time he closed all the lights on them. Everybody's dark. They're really like this. Mm. Shit. I can't get off the floor because you know what that feeling is like. That music's so goddamn loud around you, and now you can't find your way. You panic. You panic. And if yes, you're sure. high, oh God, you're really panicking now. I don't want to add, so, I don't want to so, put the peach extremity. So think about it, Lenny. <laughs> think about it, Lenny. Heartbeat. And think about what heartbeat is now from a record standpoint. Whew. And when he first played mm. it, when he first played it, you know. Half the people on the dance floor were like, eh, come on, too slow. What is this? But yes, you know, Larry right. has this knack for certain songs. He will play it until you get it. That's what made him. That's what made that was that was one of his biggest partners in, in his DNA. You know, he went and shut down for all the votes. He was like, yo, you're gonna hear this. And you're gonna, you know, it's gonna work. It's gonna work. It's gonna work. So you know, I'm Bit, you you know? as a DJ, can you tell me what other record did Larry break that everybody didn't like until he kept doing it over and over? Kind of he programmed his two audience. records, I think. I think two records, which I don't understand to this day. The Rolling Stones Lucky in Love. I don't really? get it. I don't like that record. And I love Love is a Battlefield. Pat Benatar, he played the hell out of that record. Imagine playing a white record like that, a white rock record. Wow. Over and over. They talk about this, and I'm like, makes no sense to me. Like, these records, Lucky in Love, listen to that record. Would you think anybody would play that now? But he played it, and at those no. meetings, they play Lucky in Love, and people go crazy. And I'm like, I could not imagine if you weren't a resident DJ that you could right. have that kind of power to play a record from the Rolling Stones Lucky in Love. Yeah. You would clear a That's floor with That's real interesting because I remember when the Rolling Stones came out with um uh what Be Puerto Rican girls dying to meet you. Do 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 ah yeah. Um miss uh, miss you miss you when that came out. It was like an instant break hit, an instant break hit. That's different. That's different. But I'm talking about like lucky and love. When you hear that record, you're like, I don't yeah, get it. I, I, hmm. There's yes, a lot of I'm lucky, yes, I'm lucky. Hmm. I just don't feel it. I mean, I, I, I go with it, but I, 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 maybe I took it for granted. Me personally, I might have taken it for granted. 
because it was playing in, you know, like if certain records are played in your home, you go, oh, I'm, I'm being exposed to something I'm supposed to get. Because like David used to play this one record. It took me years, even till today, I still do the little dog, huh? When I hear it, <laughs> yes, it's it's Laurie Anderson, Oh Superman. I'm sure you know that. Okay. And it's it's got really no music, but oh 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 oh. What the hell? It's one of those trippy. Now here's the thing about this is another thing I talk about too many times. I've said this in different interviews myself to people who interview. Mm-hmm. The art of talking through records through lyric. Larry Levan and Nikki Siano and Frankie Knuckles, a lot of that generation of DJs would talk through songs. If they wanted to get laid, they played a record, they were searching to find the one. Uh-huh. Oh, he's looking. Where's he's angry right now? He's angry with his friends. Where are my friends now? You know, using songs. Oscar said it right in the beginning when he said his poem, every chorus, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Nobody's in nobody's telepathically understanding that he's hot right now for some guy. He's playing a record. Search two, you know, whatever. And he's looking, whatever. We're going crazy over the song. There's a message behind why he's playing that right now. Mm. And yeah. Nikki is known for that too. And I spoke to Nikki about it. David Mancuso, of course. Let's go into the DNA of of, the, of everybody that's done it. But mm-hmm. you don't have that now. You don't have DJs talking through songs, through the through the music. When I say the music, how important those lyrics are to what the messages were. Love is a message which I categorize the black national anthem. End of the day, you play that record, makes the whole crowd go crazy. I don't care. The most oldest of all dance records and still play like it's fresh. That's true. The horn part. I hated it when it came out. When the horn part drops in or my first mistake, that was another big Larry record, Shy Lights. Or Pleasure, Glide. Wow. with that horn drops you're like thank goodness you mentioned pleasure that is a hidden gem that almost everybody will just let it fly on by if you listen to that that song take a chance i mean whatever take a chance i mean nikolai i'm sorry take a chance unbelievable Unbelievable. so i'm saying if you talk about dj so i'm going to school i'm learning what he's living through and I'm experiencing it watching him play. And all I can remember saying is, oh, man, I wish I could play here. <laughs> That's all I remember saying. Oh, but I'd love to play here. Well, that dream never came true. It's okay. It's all right. You know, we all have dreams. <laughs> and that dream You're never happened. Right. It's all right. Me and thousands of others all said. But one thing stands out. I was lucky enough to be able to contribute this like today. And I was also able to contribute a piece of history through the documentary piece that I did for BBC. So that was my yeah, way. Of, yeah. In the end, you know, I always tell people, be careful of what you wish for. It may not come the way you want it, but it may, it will come. And I did get a chance to get a chance to have that garage moment without being part of the staff. 
I mean, I want to ask you a question, Lenny. Um, did, and I'm going to be totally ignorant here, did Larry, as who he was, because I really didn't know him super personally like a lot of you did, but did Larry ever have a protege? Somebody that he nurtured personally? That's a good question. I would have said close. Ooh, Victor Rosado, maybe? Victor was very close mm. to him. Mm. I don't know if you want to call Victor a protege, but Victor hung tight with him and... Towards the end, you know, helped him out and mm -hmm. did a lot of things when Larry was at his not his best, I'll, I'll say. And when Larry came back out and started to go back out on tour, he helped Larry put the, uh, put records together to go on that Harmony tour with Francois. And then the rest is history, of course, with, you know, um, mm -hmm. Larry being surmised in the end to, you know, his lifestyle. Because mm -hmm. I really think, Jesus Christ, the money he would have made. If he would have been alive in the 90s, oh, man. The, we used to, I, I used to say, could you imagine Larry LeVan was here now with the money he would have been offered to play? Or even if he was horrible, just to have his name there and have him, he would have killed it. But the lifestyle and everything caught up. You know, you got to pay the piper. It's like Jimi Hendrix. Sure. You know, he's like the Hendrix of our dance music. He kind of was gone way before his time, but he did it his way. You know, yeah. he, he had 10, 11 good years at a great club. And it was and towards the end of it was the mystique is bigger than the club. Wow. Talk about it around the world is bigger than the club. Think about it. That's amazing. There is no Michael Brody no more. There is no Paradise Garage. Most of the people that worked are no longer with us. Wow. Um, yeah. Except Joey and David, thankfully, you know, they do the they do the uh -huh. review. They kept it going. But if it wasn't for them, who would have done it? There was nobody around from the original yeah. core, the original core people. Everybody wow, says, Oh, yeah, I want to be, I want to do it. I they don't do it. Nobody wants to take that chance. Yeah, there are still a few from the original who are around, but they, they no, no, I know what I mean around. Yeah. But yeah. I, I'm saying is, I'm saying is in a place to be able to pull together and put a party on and do it okay. to that level of that magnitude. I mean, Joey and David have been, you know, not everybody agrees yep. with what they do, but they do do it yearly, and it gives yeah. everybody that chance to get their dance on. The best moment mm -hmm. for me was was the Red Bull party on the street. I got Amazing. a lot of people I didn't see in a long time. And I was just, and just to dance on that block was absolutely incredible. I was next to Carlos Sanchez and oh, Carlos. so many people around us that went that we were just all crying. We were crying in that, yeah. in that we couldn't believe it. said, this is going to be the last time we ever do this again, ever wow. in our lives. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, Francois did great set. Unfortunately, I wish the system would have been louder and the place went crazy because I remember going to Anthony Malloy. Anthony, go run up there and do, oh, oh, oh. And he went up there and I think uh, Joey and him, so they brought him on stage. He grabbed the mic and he got his life. He started doing, oh, 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 oh. Whoa. Everybody was screaming that song. Oh, man. I was like, that was a moment. That was a moment in time. Like you say Kodak moments, those are the moments you don't forget. Wow. Incredible. I was there. 
I got to hear Mainline one more time. I got to hear those kind of records that were, that rocked in the garage. But here's one thing I will say. Joey and David, right? They play the sets. Francois played. They were great. I always feel like I'm waiting for Larry to get on. Like you're waiting. You're even great. They're doing a great job. Don't get me wrong. Great, phenomenal job. But like Mikey said, there's something about the way Larry played can never be duplicated. As a DJ, Mm -hmm. he had his bad nights. He's had his great nights. Mm -hmm. Some people said he sucked mixing. Okay, he can mix when he wanted to. If he just wanted to bang the record, he would just pop him in when he felt like it. If he wanted the record to stop, and have total dead silence, and you hear the fans going, you know, the air fans, that was not all. Thunder and lightning? Who the hell plays 35 minutes of thunder and lightning? Crash! Crash! Waiting. You're like, 30 minutes of this. Rain. But then again, in the early 70s, David Rodriguez and all of them were doing that too. They were all doing it, and Larry was a dancer. So guaranteed he was taking in everything he was mm. around, like you, Archie. If you started to DJ all of us, that you danced with all of us, you would take all of our stuff and make it your own and do your thing and come back That's and true, throw true. it at us. I'm going to tell you something funny. Usually it works like this. And believe it or not, I used to spin, too, in a little in a little place called The Arrangement in Brooklyn, deep in Brooklyn. But... It usually goes from dancer to DJ, DJ to producer, but usually from dancer, usually dancers, I sorry, dancer, then collect records, then collecting records, then DJing, then from DJing, then producer. That's usually how it works in that. And that, uh, now the old school way. Yeah, that was the old way. Definitely. But now it's a little different. Now your producer becomes DJ. (laughs) <laughs> because they can market you. Back in those days, it was like, okay, slide. Come on now. Start getting that, you know, get your feet going. Just, you know, look yeah. like, like you're moonwalking. I can't explain. And you just get that vibe. You, you just go like that. And then you start twirling. And then the room. And Lord knows what hallucinogens that you were taking. Oh. Because I don't even oh. want to talk about that part, but it happened oh. because, because <laughs> listen, if people were doing shit around you, even if you weren't taking it, you were getting mm. it. it. Didn't make a difference. You were around, you breathing it in. How could you not? Yeah, you know, that's the one thing I must say. That contact, oh, who said that? Who said that? Who said that? You know, it's true. that's what was happening. Archie, that's come on now. Happening. You know as well as that's I know. They'd be smoking on the dance floor, bro. There was no smoke. It was smoking back yeah. then. That's what my mother used to hate because she would be working all night. So she would sleep all day. Right. Because she was a seamstress. So I never had to feel like I was going to get the heat coming back from the club because you would smell like the club. Right. You know, know? I mean, really smell like the club. You smell like the whole club. (laughs) All of it. The sweat, the, the funk, the, the, all of it. And I would try try to get those clothes off real quick and, and throw them in the wash so I wouldn't have to hear that. You know? You know, I mean, sometimes I, I, she stayed up a little bit later and, hey, I got busted. So 
what do you want? No, man, <laughs> you know. I got a bullwhip. I got a beating from my parents for staying out from Friday till Monday. I'll never forget. Oh, but let yeah. me tell you, I say this every time. It was the best damn beating I ever got. In my life. <laughs> and again, to see what I saw visually, I said, yo, I was at the crazy. I was like, yo, this is crazy. I didn't care. I didn't care. I did not care. Because in those days, you had a beat. If you even had a beat, I couldn't even afford that. I'm looking for a pay phone. Yo, I couldn't find a phone. I mean, you couldn't find a phone. Yo, there was no phones in the garage. There was no phones there was, anywhere. There was. There was, Lenny. And let me tell you a story. I want to say that because I got in trouble. Oh, so okay, I, okay, okay. I said, there's no phones up in this club. Okay. <laughs> Y'all remember? Y'all remember? Uh, you might remember this, Oscar, most. There was a phone right outside the coat room on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so, so. Die. When my job transferred me, my job transferred me to Texas. And I was jonesing like you wouldn't believe. I had my crew call me from that phone like two o'clock in the morning. They call me collect. Now they're tripping and I'm at home just wanting to feel the garage. They called me collect. <laughs> Say, yo, check this out, and left the phone off the hook. <laughs> mm. And I am feeling, I am feeling the atmosphere, okay? <laughs> so it took, it was about an hour, and I'm on the phone just listening to the music, listening to the crowd There's around. Right? I had a couple phone bills, and this was back in 79 time frame. I had a couple phone bills that was four or five hundred bucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because because I I was uh, okay, you know, I I had it real bad. I, I just needed a fix. <laughs> yep. 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 But but there was nothing else like it. I mean, there was nothing else like it. How about so, when wow. I, I remember hearing Archie, I remember hearing the music's got me. Boom, 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 boom. And that yep. low end, that bass line in that record, Boy oh, Jarvis, yeah. rocking. First I ever heard a keyboard oh, player. There we, oh. there we go. May he rest in peace, oh, Boy Jarvis. Rest in peace, Boyd. Yep. That's, that's, that's Michael that's the Benedict is playing. There you are. Oh, yeah, Grayson. Yep. Yeah. Michael the Benedict is playing with Larry LeVan. Live from the booth, just playing. Yep. Yep. Mm. Yeah. What other club mm. did nobody ever had heard that before? Except of that course sound Bruce system. Sound yeah, system is just sounds- out of this world. But I'm gonna tell you this because we've experienced those systems, I have to unfortunately say it spoils you for the rest of your life. Oh what? Absolutely. what? <laughs> hold on. Hold on, you asked him a question. So what time? So the music's playing. So what time does the sound system turn on? Wow! Wow! What time mm-hmm. is this thing gonna turn on? Oh, this is at ten. <laughs> What's ten? Mm-hmm. What ten of what? Ten one tenth? <laughs> Unbelievable! Then you go to the neighborhood club. Play. It sounds like a big radio, and you're like, yeah. You know you're making the face. You're like, they're like, what's wrong with you? Yo, this shit sounds whack. Yeah. 
Can we go to city clubs? I'm like, not every city club sounded great. Let's get that straight. Let's not get that. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. But I will say there was even the, okay, comparison to now, the worst sounding system then sounds a hundred thousand times better than today. Hands down. Yeah, I must say. I must say. The ones that we would go like this. Whack. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and you can and always tell by that bass. You can always tell. Hey, Lenny, you've been you've been to the Ministry of Sound. I played in there. I was one of the first you to play. What do you think about it? The new one sucks. The original one that they put in that Larry worked on that Gary Stewart installed. Larry was brought in to play with Victor Rosado. Larry came to a couple of weeks. Harvey, he tuned the system. Sounded amazing. I remember when it was done. I remember it. After okay. that, it, they kept it. And then eventually Martin Audio comes in and changed the system. When I heard it, when I went there not too long ago, I was like, this sucks. This is not what, this is not the way that room sounded. When the booth was the other way around. Because mm. I played in that room. I played a few okay. times. Yes. Okay. It was loud. A lot of the DJ's technique, um, I feel, a lot of the DJ's um, um, Let me rather tell us is to know how to work a system, you know? And if they don't know that, you know, if they don't know that, then you could have the greatest system in the world and it'll come out sounding like a little tune box. You That's know. very true, because Frankie's Knuckles on Friday nights at Sound Factory Bar, every time I walked in that room with sound incredible. Frankie, whatever he did, he used to tune. I remember he used to go there, he EQ it. Oh, man, it was magic. The other nights did not sound like that. And Louis is a great right, DJ. Louis is a great DJ. Now, I was answering Chris and put a, um, a, a notation down there saying that it was the closest to the garage. Well, it was. The building when they first yeah when they first had building so now I got a question for everybody man what was your best all time performance at the garage of any singer oh, well I'm gonna tell you I got a pass because the nights that I went was after the the performers did what they did except for Shaka Khan because she decided to show up at six a.m. that was a whole different thing. Yeah. Yeah, she was. But, um, I can only say when I was in the show because I was performing, so other people were performing, you know? Well, Master so, CJ was my friend Carl Bias. So if Carl was on the show, he'd be like, Lenny was with us. <laughs> so I got to pass on that. How about you? Yo, the first time they came to perform, <laughs> first choice. Oh, yeah, I bet. For every song, they had a different outfit on. But when mm. they came out with Double Dealing, and I, I had to climb to the side of the wall because there was too many people. There was packed house. But as I climbed up to the wall to get the view, and when they came out with the Double Dealing, they took out the knives. Oh, really? the place went bananas, man. Wait, wait, and they took out knives? And Two no, oh, yes, they did. Double dealing, double dealing, two times. Everybody was gagging, brother. But when they came up with the knives, oh man, the whole place was ringing, man. Yeah, so the one that stood for me, I mean, there's other performances that came on that was great, but first choice, man, their first time coming down. Woo. 
I did a show with them in the Cheetah Club in New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Rochelle, Connie, and Lawrence. That's who was uh, the group back then. Mm -hmm. And they were amazing. Not only are they amazing people personally, Mm. you know, when they sang live and they did that live, unbelievable. No auto-tune, none of that stuff. Nope. 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 How about you? So then now the other thing is, so, hey, hey, Lenny, you, Grace Jones. Grace Jones. Okay. Keith Herring. Which show did you see? She was pregnant one time when Keith did that wooden thing to cover us. She was pregnant, man. (laughs) She was on stage pregnant singing, buddy. Yeah. 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 Lenny, Grace performed a lot of times at the garage. Which one did you, which one show are you talking about? I'm trying to remember now. Was it the one where she was painted with the yes. Keith Haring um, that characters? Was, that was his, because that was around when he did also his Madonna thing too at that time. Not too, around mm-hmm. the same year, if I remember. I think, yeah, that was right around that time. Yep. How about you, you know, Mikey? Grace, Gr- Grace was great. Always brought out the crowd. I mean, getting in on a night when Grace was there was like impossible. You had to get there early. Um, but for me, from a performance standpoint, Belita Holloway. Uh, oh, yeah. Second to yeah. Day. I was, I mean, for me was that, and I wasn't even at that show. And I listened to it on the radio. She was incredible from what I heard yes. from the crowd without seeing it. That voice, you know, there are probably four or five divas that, that, are queens of the garage, and she's definitely one. Um, yes, she is. Jocelyn Brown, Gwen yes, Guthrie, um, yeah. my 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 weekend. Got to find a friend. <laughs> um, yeah, you know. Hey, wow. So any of them. Yeah, performing Not on that stage. That's Christine's. Christine, what's what's Christine yeah, Wilshire? Yeah. Christine Wilshire. Okay. Yeah. Um, whenever to some, I caught her there. But actually, when Patrick Adams put out with her with Zeke when they had the Bush Bush in the Bush. So oh. that was the song that me and my dance partner chose when we did the solo live thing. We nice. chose that song. And we and they got they played, they played live in the air and everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, we finally meet her at the Ministry of Sciences. You know, your song was the song that we chose that you and Patrick did back then, you know, that we, we danced to, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Great, 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 great. And it was funny, too, right? Because I'm walking in, right, Lenny? And and, and um, Joey's asking me, yo, do you know who you're speaking to? And, like, he gets me with the second face and the second time questioning me. He says, Joss, do you know who you speak to? I'm like, nah, man, we're in a nice conversation, though. He says, you know, D-Train? I said, D-Train, D-Train, like D-Train from Brooklyn. That's him. So, yeah, we embraced each other and stuff like that because out of all of them that was there, when they did this 10th anniversary at the Ministry of South for um, the garage. Oh, man, in London, okay. Yeah, because Jelly Bean... We Jelly Bean like, played. Think, Jelly Bean yeah. played. Right, yeah. Kenny Carpenter played. Yeah, yeah. So, Kenny, I know him back from when Mike was doing the warehouse up in the Bronx. Yes. And, and Rene Ewart was back then playing also before he got into a la chef. Rene, and, our chef, our chef extraordinaire. 
Yeah, yeah. And then um, Jelly Bean went to our high school, but then I also know Jelly Bean from the projects that he lived up here in the Bronx. And then he played, I told you, I don't know if I mentioned to you, but he was playing at a basement at an apartment that I used to live years ago. And then followed him about, you know, um, what's that, Dance Tracks, was it? On 21st something, 20... You mean Tracks? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then now, so what's party-wise... What's the latest you ever left out of the garage? Any club for me? One in the afternoon. Shit, I walked out when they were closing the room. Yeah. Because I began down there at six, six o'clock. And you couldn't leave until you heard you just need that fix. And even after that, I remember playing for um when I went to go play for Wild Pitch for Greg Day. Those parties. Wild Pitch parties. Wow. Wow. Where was Wild Pitch at? I never heard we of it. Did it at, we did it at Baseline. When Junior left Baseline, they did it at 21 Hudson and also at the Tunnel. The Tunnel I heard of. Okay. Uh-huh. I've been there. Okay. Tunnel, the Tunnel, 21 Hudson, which was Baseline before Sound Factory opened. That's okay. where Junior was working. So he was doing it there. And he also did it at the dance studio. Arch, you remember the dance studio on Broadway? Six, what was it? 622? 626, yeah. baby. 626. Six twenty, Leslie's dance studio. You should do it up there too. Yeah. So I know. Okay. Now that you mentioned Leslie's dance studios, they had some guys from Queens that did a party called Snobbusters up there. That too, I remember. But I also did another party up there called Crossroads. This is all after Garage was ended. All this was going on pre-shelter. Well, pre-shelter. You said something really interesting. And and everybody can say this because I know this for a fact because it happened to all of us when the garage closed. There was such a huge loss that Oof. all of us, we couldn't, we were looking for a home. I hate it. And what started to happen, because that gap was, that, that, that angst was so crazy, each person that came up in that era tried to recapture something of it on their own with whatever venue that they were trying to do, you know? So it's not a surprise that what the garage birthed the people that started to do things just to get that feeling again or, or, or that um, capture that, that, or recreate a, a, a kind of vibe. What the garage contributed to club culture to begin with. Right. So this is, is the beyond immeasurable. Right. Immeasurable. So that's what, that's what I tell people all the time to be accepted from that community as a DJ. Um, you know, the Spanish and black crowd that was part of the garage and they accepted, you know, someone like myself because, you know, this is a, a picky crowd. They've been played to so well and know their music that you had to come in there. Correct. You know, as many people tried to take those shoes and it's not easy. You know, especially when you were used to being going to better days, you went to grow. Oh, these clubs are gone now. The only things I remember, Love Light, after. Love Light was going for a bit. You know, Octagon was going for a bit. I played there as well. And, you know. Melons Melons was happening, too. Yeah, right? Melons was happening, too. You know, there's, there's different things that happened. But it's not the garage. Nothing's the garage. As I, as I tell the story when we're talking about it and I'm talking to people about it, that place, history, era, it would never be duplicated. You're never going to have, I mean, you may have places that have multiple rules, but 
I don't know no dance floor to this time that even got nearly constructed as that kind of a dance floor, man. No. Yeah. No, there's nothing like it, bro. And it'll nothing be like that again. And I want to thank everybody who contributed today. Mikey, Oscar Reyes. I mean, we gave them a two-hour and 40-minute show. Archie <laughs> Burnett. It's a hot show. We gave it. We gave everything we can. We tried to fill in the blanks. I also wanted these men to speak more than myself, to be honest. Because these are the men that, you know, lived in that scene and sweated through it. And that's what made us all a family without even being related. We got the same common goal. The same common goal to, to, to carry this torch. You know, um, I can't say enough. I can't say enough to thank you for Oscar for coming to me and saying, we need to do this show, Lenny. We need <laughs> this show. This show you know? needs to be documented. God, with the way things are going, I'm glad we got a chance. People are thanking us, all the comments coming in. Um, I want to thank my boy, Mike. Mike Moran, he made this for me. For the, he, he made this. Nice, really nice, nice. His brother hung tight with Larry. Mike and I, we got a lot of history together with what we did. And we want to thank, you know, of course, I want to thank my man Oscar for, you know, making these shirts. Hey, it's, it know. was your idea. Listen, like I said, it's an honor and pleasure, Lenny, throughout the years, even from way back, you know, when we converse and talk and everything else, but just giving us this opportunity, man. Um, like I said, it's, 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 listen, I couldn't sleep last night. It was like, you know, how you going out to, I don't know how you feel when you got to go play a set, but it's yeah, like, I feel the same way. I feel the same way. You're still excited every time. I, I still act the same way. I'm like a little kid. I feel like I'm getting ready to do something magical. Like it's like, oh my God, I'm getting ready. I gotta get ready. I gotta get ready. Cause you got that same feeling in your heart, in your you gut. That feeling of going out. My God, I don't can't tell people what that feeling is like. You know, you got me amped up yesterday to make the commercial, Oscar. You made me like, I I gotta make a commercial today for this show. He's like, yo, man, I am so ready. But I wanna thank you. Oscar, please tell everybody what you're doing now and with the pandemic and how everything you're getting along and you know, it's important. Well, well, you know, you know, I I almost want to I wanna thank a lot of people that help me out. You know, because I'm, I'm still, I'm coming up on the completion of six months of my right hip replacement that I had after. So coming along well, you know, and um, um, I've been teaching, man, since I've been out here in Hungary Europe the last 16 years, man. So I'm blessed. Besides teaching English, also contributing to life to that and always going back home with the different, you know, the hip hop culture, the Latin hustle culture, the salsa music, obviously our house music. So when I have the summer camps, my body's not able to do as it used to, but I'm still able to do basic and talk about it, man. As long as I'm alive, I'm always going to talk about our Paradise Garage and dance. And, and even Archie, I catch Archie out here in these last few years in Vienna, stuff like that. I mean, you know, Nick, listen, the one that, that really is the icing is my man Vicky because I'm like, yo, I'm glad you represented, brother. You know, because we've always been in contact. 
besides the invite. I got to the utmost respect for Mickey Jones. I got oh. utmost. He knows that. I got utmost respect for him. So, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. When I came and knocked on Lenny's door, Lenny, by the way, had the list of folks. I didn't even knew who I wanted. I said, you're going to do this. We want this person. I want this person. I want the perspective of that person. Because I know I've talked to all the luminaries. Some of them are no longer with us. That I was able to get their accounts. And they're there in BBC. At least I got that. But, you know, I wanted to hear from you three. You know, Archie, I know Archie's a veteran of dance floor. I've been with him. I know how he how he rolls. I know Oscar too. I've known Mikey's been around talking and writing and clearing up some of the misconceptions. It's a lot of misconceptions. Here's one for everyone. I'm gonna leave this one right here. People always make me laugh when they say, "Was he like standing in water up there, DJ, like Jesus?" <laughs> This is the bullshit you hear. You're like, come on now. Come on. This is a regular man. You know, like he said it in interviews, which I'm going to have Mark Riley in a few months. Mark Riley knew Larry very well. And Mark Riley asked him, you know, what's it like for you week to week? He says, people don't understand what I'm going through and the shit I'm dealing with. And I'm trying to work through my life and playing records. Everybody thinks it's glamorous. It's not always glamorous. Maybe I got a toothache. You don't know what's going on. Maybe my arm hurts. The show must go on. The show must go on. And you all paid your $10 membership, and you want to get your fix, right? Thing is, though, you knew knew how he was feeling based on what he was playing. Thank you, Mick. Thanks for mentioning that. And and, and as he says that, I will add on to that. He still, through all he was going through, kept the part of talking to you through what he was going through through his music. So he still would be able, if you would, like I said, after all of, of being around Larry and being on that dance floor, you would understand that he was going through some stuff. He would play through the music sometimes, you know? So, yeah, hats it. off. Yeah. So, hey, guys. Um, you just.